Good morning, everybody. That was an underwhelming response. If that's all you got, I'm not going to do this. Just, Donnie, come, come. No, I'm kidding. I'll try again. Good morning, everybody. That's better. Great to see you. Good morning. And uh, greetings to you if you're joining us online. It's wonderful to have you here, too. How many people are loving the snow? It is your fault, people. It's your fault. How many like me are saying, enough already, enough? We're, we're, we're done. I want self clearing snow. How about that, yeah? So it comes out and you go, oh, awesome, beautiful, beautiful color. And then it clears itself up after a, an hour. Could we agree about that? Yep. All right. Uh, before we get into this, um, and you laughed when you heard 15 months, we're serious. We're serious. This is going to be a great series. Um, but the folks in the cafe have asked me to mention these Life with Lucas Bible notes. Um, you get three months of readings and comment and some QR codes where you can zoom in closer and uh, videos as well. And uh, why do I write these? Uh, I write these because I think we need to nourish our souls. We need to feed our souls. And one way of doing that is to get into, into Scripture. And uh, we've got some exciting opportunities right now. We've got opportunities to get these to prisoners who request them to 40 different prisons in the UK. And we're already starting to have letters coming in from prisoners. But you don't have to be in prison to qualify to use these. <laughs> I mean a criminal, no, you don't have to be. So um, they're available and uh, they're like six bucks, which is like a hamburger. And um, there's three months worth there. And if you've got any other concerns about those, let me just say, it is God's will that you buy them. <laughs> okay. Um, so our series we're starting this weekend, Jesus, Hope, Help, and Healing, Mark's Gospel. We're going to spend the next 15 months. It's going to be amazing um, as we look at Jesus in Mark's Gospel. And the title for my message this weekend is Get a Life. And you might think, that's rude get a life. You know, when normally people say that, it's kind of disparaging. Oh, get a life. But actually, the person I'm going to talk about, John the Baptist, he was fairly blunt, so I felt like I could be um, as well. Get a life. Before we do that, I know you think this is time for me to, for me to do my thing, right? And I, I, I preach Saturday night and then three times. So I have to listen to myself four times. You only get to do it once. I have to listen to myself four times over. But I don't want you to think it's time for him to do his thing. I want us to be active listeners today. And I know that the Holy Spirit wants to do something among us. I also want you to know that at the end of this service, there's going to be a time of response. And I want us, me included, to prepare ourselves for that. And some interesting things have been happening. Don't push God away if the Holy Spirit nudges your heart. Prepare now before you even know what I'm going to talk about. Let's pray together. We thank you for your presence, Lord. We covet your presence and we're grateful for you here. Thank you for your beautiful people. As we turn to your word now, we open our hearts consciously, deliberately. We invite your work. We will not resist you. Do miracles, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? 
Amen. All right, Mark chapter 1 and verse 1 says this, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you uh, who will prepare your, the, your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan he was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. I mean, it was a really weird diet. A really weird diet. Repetitive, boring, the same thing over and over. And no, I am not talking about John the Baptist and locusts and wild honey. More of that in a moment. I'm talking about my diet last week. My wife was back in England. Kay was back in England. So I was home alone and responsible for meal preparation. Wednesday night, I had chicken stir-fry. Stir-fry. Wonderful. A miracle from a walk. <laughs> Thursday night, I had chicken stir-fry. <laughs> Friday night, I had chicken stir-fry. Saturday, I thought, I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to cook me spaghetti bolognese. Now, when I say cook spaghetti bolognese, I mean take the spaghetti bolognese that Kay had cooked out of the refrigerator, <laughs> nuke it in the microwave. Now even that didn't go well, because I didn't make enough, so I had to eat, do the meal twice, because I wanted more. It was a fairly predictable, odd diet. Mark begins his gospel in a really weird way. He he throws us a stun grenade. Jesus is the Messiah. If you haven't heard Dr. Foth's message about that at the turn of the year, get it. It's online. It was wonderful. But then John, Mark starts talking about this weird guy, John the Baptist, and it's such a contrast to the other Gospels. Matthew's Gospel, which was written mainly for a Jewish audience, Matthew talks about the genealogy of Jesus. He talks about he talks about angelic revelations to Joseph and the birth in Bethlehem. And then Luke, you might call Luke the nativity gospel because he gives us so much information about the birth. Mary and Elizabeth, the birth of John the Baptist, the nativity details, angels and, and, and shepherds. And then John, as he begins his gospel, he pans the camera back and he gives us a vision of the glorious pre-existent Christ who has always been. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Nothing was made uh, without Him. And so John gives us the big picture. So what does Mark do? 
Mark says Jesus is the Messiah. And then he starts talking about this weird guy, John the Baptist. And we have managed to obtain an ancient Polaroid photograph of John the Baptist that was discovered by the Dead Sea Scrolls. And here it is. There it is. Yeah. It's awesome, right? Ancient technology is pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah. Now, now, I want that guy's hair, right? I mean, and that first picture, by the way, that was Cameron, our worship leader, before he saw the light. That, that's... Uh, 400 years of silence, nothing had been heard from God, and then suddenly John appears in the wilderness. God is on the move, and it's like Mark slams his foot on the accelerator, excuse me, the gas pedal, and we are moving at speed, and Messiah is coming, and he's baptizing people, and Jesus appears, and he's baptized. The Spirit descends upon him like a dove. He's he hears the voice of the Father, I love you. He's driven into the wilderness. He is tempted. Mark is the breathless gospel. The word immediately occurs 42 times in Mark's gospel. And packed in these few verses, there are some vital truths for us as God's people that I'm going to share with you during this next couple of hours together. No one said amen. <laughs> First of all, we see a radical kingdom worldview. A radical kingdom worldview. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance. Now, when we hear the word repent, we normally associate that with simply stopping sinning. Don't sin, turn around. But the word repent means so much more than that. Look at where John was. John was in the wilderness, and the Judean countryside, the people of, uh, from there and the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Now, what's he doing here? Well, as the people went out to the wilderness, and as they went down into the water, they remembered the greatest moment in their history, the Exodus. The Exodus was the central pivotal moment in the history of the Hebrews, when the slaves became the free people. And they go out into the wilderness and they go down into the water and up again, and suddenly they remember the offer of a glorious new life. That's what God was saying to the Hebrews. A second exodus, a new life beckoning. And then look at what John was doing. He's baptizing, and he's baptizing Jews. This is the first time in history Jewish people were baptized. You only got baptized if you were converting to Judaism. They had ritual washings. But John was saying, don't you rely on a little dab of religion. Something much bigger is beckoning now. He's inviting those who thought they were part of the in crowd to join in this moment of baptism. It was unheard of. By the way, I should say that on February the 5th, we're going to be baptizing people, and there's a class next weekend for that. And if you haven't made that public profession of faith, there's an opportunity to be obedient in being baptized. And then listen to John's message. 
He's preaching repentance. Metanoia is the word. It means a complete change of mind and the will. It's probably the equivalent of the Hebrew word shuv, which means to totally turn around. Another beautiful Hebrew word is teshuva. Teshuva means coming home and coming home to God, coming home to yourself. It's, it's not just I'm going to be better as a person. It's it's a personal thing towards God. I'm hearing a lot of people talk about the universe these days. Oh, yeah, the universe has been really good to me. Well, listen, if that's the first step towards realizing there's something beyond ourselves, that's okay, but don't stop there because the universe makes no demands of us. The universe has no personality, no morality. We can consult the universe whenever we want. We can ignore it if we'd like. It's perfectly convenient, but teshuva is coming home to the person of God and to this radical offer of a new life where, hey, everything is different. So Jesus says stuff like, we love your enemies and bless the poor. And there's such a thing as a good Samaritan. And don't stone the adulteress and honor women and children. And if you want to be great, you've got to become a servant. This is an upside-down or maybe a right-side-up kingdom. And then look at the response. They went out from Jerusalem to the Jordan. I've been there. I've been there with some of you and baptized some of you. Do you know how far it is from Jerusalem to the baptismal site where John did the baptizing? 32 miles. That's a long walk, and it was 2,000 years before a bus was going to arrive. I mean, you might cut it down a bit if you had a Tesla camel or something, but basically, 32 miles, that's at least two days. This, my friends, is radical. The danger is this. Rather than embracing a brand new life, we can just add Jesus to it, our life, like a little compartment. Yeah, I'll have. Yeah, I'll do that Jesus thing on Sunday morning. Yeah, that's good. Or Jesus as emergency service, nine one one. I need help, Jesus. Or Jesus as eternity insurance. Yeah, I'm going to live my life, but I want to make sure it's okay when I die, so I'll pray that little prayer, and that's nice. But Jesus wants to be far more than insurance or emergency assistance or a compartment. The invitation is to a brand new world. The kingdom. Radical. And I want to say at the end of this meeting, service, whatever you want to call it, there will be an opportunity to respond if you want to say today, I, I, don't, I want him to be more than a compartment or a, an on-call 911 service. I, I want to go radical with this, and I need his help. There'll be an opportunity to respond. Secondly, we see here a new life of forgiveness and freedom. Forgiveness and freedom. John was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. We, we can tend to think of repentance as something harsh. Repent! Our Jewish friends and we as Christians should see repentance for what it is. It's a gift. The Bible says in Acts 11, God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. This is a gift that takes us out from shame. And again, it was pretty radical 
because we read that they were confessing their sins before they got baptized. I'd like, I'd like to be in one of those baptismal services. That would be really interesting. Wow, he did that. The word is exomologio, confessing. It means to declare it out. What's going on here? They're getting authentic. The same word is used to describe a revival in Ephesus, Acts chapter 19. Many of those who believe now came and openly confessed what they'd done. Authenticity, reality. James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Exomologio, getting real, being authentic, having people around us who know us. Because you see, we're all broken. All of us under construction. You know, this gospel was written by John Mark. He's a big failure. He went on the first missionary journey with the apostle Paul and Barnabas, and he messed up and he deserted them, and Paul would not have him on his team anymore. John Mark's a broken failure. You know where he got his information from about Jesus? Peter, one of the most famous failures in the history of failures. I'll never deny you, Jesus. No, the rest of the guys might, but I mean, that lasted 24 hours. In Gethsemane, his response to Jesus being arrested is to amputate a person's ear. You can imagine Jesus looking at Peter like, duh. I'd love to have seen that miracle. Pick up the ear, slap it back on the boy's head. Peter's messed up. Who knows us in our brokenness? Are we living free? Sometimes people say to me, yeah, I'm accountable. I'm part of an accountability group. Do you know some of the least accountable people I've ever met are part of accountability groups? <laughs> Do you know why that is? Because we can lie. Oh, yeah. How many of us lie regularly? Raise your hand if you lie regularly. <laughs> some of you... Started to go, and then you went, oh, I'll just scratch my head. I think that's easy. <laughs> oh, okay. So, oh, we don't lie, huh? All right. Hmm. Let's test that, shall we? How many of us, when we're on the internet, on a website, we check a little box that said, I have read these terms and conditions, <laughs> and understand? How many just lied in church? <laughs> See, you can lie. And just because you're part of a group doesn't make you accountable. I mean, I'm part of a bodybuilding group. <laughs> Could you please laugh at the correct moments, people? <laughs> Who knows us. And I've got friends in my life, and some of you are here today, you know who you are. And they don't know everything about me because I want them to stay being my friends. <laughs> but as we get to know each other more, we share more. And I've got, I've got one or two friends who know pretty much everything there is to know about me. Who, who, will be, who knows us? Maybe we're going to respond later because we know we need to build friendship like that. Thirdly, we see here a battleground of temptation and empowerment. Temptation and empowerment. Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. Let's be clear. Temptation 
isn't sin. If you are never tempted, I feel bad because you're dead. If you have a pulse, you will be tempted. That is not sin. Jesus was in that battlefield. Last weekend, we had an amazing event here. Um, Mackenzie Matthews and her, and her team, they put on a brilliant event, a small group fair. And there were 50 tables of different groups that you can join because we want people to deepen their connection here at Timberline. And about 400 people went by the tables. It was just astonishing to watch people lining up the stairs to go up into the mezzanine and, and sign up. And so many people volunteers took time thank you so much for participating in that there was one table however that wasn't very popular and that was the table led by Jason of pure desire helping men who struggle with pornography there wasn't a line up there now that's really not surprising is it in fact, I went over to chat with Jason at his table, and I could see people looking at me like, Pastor Jeff. <laughs> but that really got me thinking, because pornography is a real problem, and not only for men, but for women too. You say, what? Yes. 65% of young adult men, 18% of young women, report watching porn at least once a week although the amount could be much higher. Listen to this. One-third of all internet downloads, I'm talking everything from the internet, one-third is porn. 40 million U.S. adults regularly visit uh, internet porn websites. You say, you're picking on America? No, it's probably worse in Europe. 10% of U.S. adults admit to having an addiction to internet pornography. 17% of all women struggle with porn addiction. And part of the reason for this is when I was a kid in high school, if you wanted the bad stuff, you had to go to that rough part of town where that nasty store was to buy it. But now, ladies and gentlemen, we can deliver pizza to your house and we can deliver porn to your phone. All it takes is... And it's so enslaving. C.S. Lewis said, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a vacation at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. This is not about us just doing better. Stop it. Because the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is available, but also the encouragement of God's people is available too. And since last weekend, we've been looking at this, and in the well, the well is the resources area of our website, we are placing this week resources for men and resources for women who struggle with this, you don't have to send an email to anybody. You don't have to identify yourself. You just text that number. And can I just do this? Will you help me here? 
I want to suggest that whether you, if you've got a problem with this or not, write the number down or put it in your phone anyway, because you may have a friend who shares with you that they've struggled with this. And that number will come up again. All you have to do is send that text, and it will take you straight into those resources. And then if you want, there'll be a contact button there where you can get further help if you choose. But according to the statistics, and Christians are by no means exempt, it may be that this is a day, 10.41 on a Sunday morning, and we suddenly wake up and hear the rattling of chains in our lives. And we say, enough is enough. Again, opportunity to respond. And I, I mean, that's the issue of pornography. But there are all kinds of things that can enslave us. There's plenty of opportunities. What are we under the power of? What are we compelled to do? It's not just that we want to do it. There is something that has been wired in our brains through our pathway journey that makes us hungry for that. Because here's the thing. When you're addicted to something, you don't get an email notification. It's official. You're addicted. Fourthly, this speaks to us of a love that is beyond human understanding. But as Jesus was coming out of the water, up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Please notice a couple of things. Heaven was not just opened, it was torn open. Now why, why does it say that? I love the way the Bible is so connected. Isaiah's cry many years earlier was, oh, that you would rend the heavens, tear the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. That's what the Jews were longing for. And Jesus, as he comes out of the water, the heavens are torn open. The word torn, schizo, from which we get our word schizophrenic, ripped, torn in two. You see, when Jesus came out of the water, Mark tells us, all heaven broke loose. When the curtain was torn from top to bottom, when Jesus died, it's the same word. It's torn. Why torn and not opened? Because what is torn can't easily be repaired. It was done. And then there's this words about the spirit hovering like a dove. And suddenly, please get this, we're taken back to Genesis creation, when the Holy Spirit hovered over planet Earth. But now the Holy Spirit is hovering not over a planet, but a person. And we're getting the message, a new creation is beginning now, people. This is huge. And then words of love. At baptism, Jesus hears, you are my son whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. Now please get this. Before Jesus did any ministry, before he healed anybody, before he taught anybody, before he did any of that, the Father says, I love you. And then before he went to the cross at Transfiguration, nearly three years later, he hears the same message again. This is my son whom I love. Please see this. His life and ministry was bookended 
by God's love, by the Father's love. I've got some books here. Why are they turned around? Because it doesn't matter what it says on the spines. I want you to imagine this for me. This is the life of Jesus. There's a bookend here. The love of the Father. I love you. And then we've got his baptism. And then we've got him choosing his disciples, chapter 2. And then we, we see him start to, to preach. And then he starts to do miracles. And then he goes to Jerusalem. And uh, he, confront, he gets confronted by the Pharisees. And, uh, and, and, and then he's edging towards the cross. I want you to see that in the life of Jesus, his life was bookended by the shout of love from God. And that's the way God wants it for us. We don't serve him to earn his love. We serve him because we're loved. But if you take the bookends away, everything falls apart. And I believe so totally that God is crying out to people today, I love you. That's got to be the beginning and the end that you live in. And we see that theologically and biblically. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. He celebrates the love of God. And then he says... All who have this hope in them purify themselves just as he is pure. What's he saying? We don't pursue holiness to earn God's love. We pursue holiness in his strength because we're loved. A few days before my mother passed away, I spent a night at her bedside. This is my, this is my mom, me and my mom. As you can see, um, I inherited her nose. It's pretty much, it's, that's quite the beak. And I knew she didn't have long to live. And so I went into the nursing home and uh, I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just sit by her side all night because it can get kind of scary. And my mum had a lot of dementia issues. And sometimes when I'd go to see her, she knew who I was and sometimes she didn't. In fact, Sometimes she would complain to me about me. <laughs> and don't get the wrong idea, because dementia is no laughing matter at all. But I had to laugh in those moments, otherwise I'd have cried. So I, I, I'm going to sit with my mum, and I'm holding her hand. And I'm thinking maybe she's going to die that night. And at about 2 o'clock in the morning, she woke up and she looked at me and she said, get out! And I, I said, mom, it's, it's Jeffrey. She always called me Jeffrey. My, only my mom and Kay, when I've been bad, call me Jeffrey. So I don't hear it often. She said, get out! And I said, mom, it's, it's me, Jeffrey. She said, I know who you are and you're no good. Get out! And I went outside and sat down, and the nursing staff heard this, and they said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. It's dementia. It's not my mum. Popped my head around the door 30 minutes later. I said, you okay now, mum? She said, get out. I realized how stupid I'd been. She's got dementia. She wakes up in the middle of the night, and there's someone she doesn't know sitting by her bed holding her hand. That freaked me out. 
Next morning, I went in. I said, how are you, Mum? It's Jeffrey. She said, I know who you are, and you're very nice. And she passed away a couple of days later. I was so desperately trying to let her know, I love you, I love you, I love you. And she's like, get away, and that is us. That's us. God says to us, I love you, I love you. And for a moment, cognition comes. And we see it during that worship song. We understand it. But then the clouds gather again and, and we push him away. We're like the prodigal. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Get away. Get out. You're no good. Some of us, we just really need help to rest in the love of God. It's actually a supernatural thing that is needed because we humans don't do well with this. We're suspicious of free gifts. When I first moved to America, I got a letter, told me I'd won 50 million bucks. Yeah. I said, okay, we won 50 million bucks. I opened it, it's a ripoff. I get texts every day, you've won. You know what I'm talking about. Scam city these days. And then God comes along with his outrageous grace. And we're like, it takes a work of the Holy Spirit, actually, for us to really rest in the love of God. Galatians 4 6, because you're his sons, God spent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba. Father. Abba means daddy, papa. Romans 8.15, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. That's why I'm going to invite you to respond in a little while if you struggle with the love of God. Because I want to take a moment to pray that the Holy Spirit will do a work. Well, the last thing is this. And that is, we see in this passage the need for a faith that is balanced. A faith that is balanced. Now look at this, it's pretty remarkable. John the Baptist, John the Baptist, he's the guy that pointed to the Messiah. And Jesus said of him, there's none greater born to women. Remarkable. But look at this. John's disciples came and asked Jesus, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jews were required to fast once a year, Day of Atonement, but the Pharisees used to fast voluntarily twice a week. And it's believed that John the Baptist's disciples, who were, became quite legalistic, followed that. So now they come to Jesus and they say, what's with you? And then John himself the messenger of the Lord, he's in prison. Look at this. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? John's like, are you really it? Now why? Because Jesus was not what John was expecting. John preached judgment. Generation of vipers. John wore judgment. He dressed like Elijah, a prophet of judgment. John ate judgment, locusts. 
Ninth plague in Egypt, symbol of judgment. Locusts, book of Revelation, symbol of judgment. He's eating judgment, wearing judgment, preaching judgment. And then here comes Jesus. And he's not living in the wilderness and separating himself from those nasty people. He's eating and drinking with sinners. And John's like, what's up with that? John, in all of his greatness, got stuck on the issue of judgment and couldn't move from there to the wonder of grace. A hundred years after this happened, there was a John the Baptist sect that rejected the supremacy of Jesus. John got stuck. And sometimes we do, especially if you're passionate. We get into single-issue Christianity. Only one issue matters to us. If you don't believe me, reflect on the glorious season called COVID. What a horrific time. And I know I'm talking to people here who were personally and profoundly affected by that. Our hearts are with you. But it was also a time of a lot of shouting, single-issue Christians. You need to shut the church. You need to open the church. You wouldn't wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. And, and people got locked in. And those opinions were vital and important. We're not part of a cult. And I'm glad about that because I look terrible in orange. We can have opinions and we can differ about these things. But Christians get locked in to one issue. Israel and the world, second coming, styles of worship, songs I like, Bible translations. We get locked into one issue. And then we forget that we're brothers and sisters. And guess what? And I'm not a citizen yet. I might never be. You might write in and warn them. But guess what? We've got an election coming up. What a fabulous opportunity for us to get politically polarized. Oh, you can't be a follower of Jesus because you're part of that group. Single issue. And we forget the bigness of the gospel. If you got stuck in that, I'm going to invite you to respond. So, I'm done. One person just said, keep going. Who was that? <laughs> you can come with me everywhere I go. <laughs> Would you stand with me if you're able, please? Now, I just got to tell you something. In a moment, if something has resonated with you from this message, I'm going to invite you to come forward to the front here because I want to pray collectively people. Anything about this message that has resonated with you, you know the Spirit of God is nudging you. I'm going to invite you to come forward. You say, that's kind of radical. I'll tell you what's radical, 32 miles. I'm talking 50 yards, 100 for people at the back. I'm going to invite you to come forward. Now, here's what's weird that happened in the last service. I'm, I'm wearing a... Uh, I won't say which brand it is, but I'm wearing this, and, and I like fruit. 
I put my other watch on this morning, and then something in me said, no, put this, put this one on. So I took that watch off, and I put this on. You guys saw this last, and in the last service, I got a little bit excited, and we're just at this moment in the service, and my watch started vibrating, and I'm like, oh no, someone's calling me, and I'm just about to invite people to come forward. And so I glanced down at my watch, and because I've been jumping around, it said, it appears that you have had a fall. And I've tried to make it do it again, but it won't do it again. And then it said at the bottom, are you okay? And I suddenly realized, I mean, at that moment, this moment in the service, I suddenly realized that that's what some of us are going to do right now. We're going to say, I'm okay. I mean... I mean, you can call it coincidence if you like, but I believe in God. How many believe he's the God of the detail? Yeah? And I happen to think that God, who is eternally having fun and loves us so, I, I think God set it up for the okay moment. Just, and I was able to turn around and I pressed it because apparently if you don't, they're going to send an ambulance, which would be awkward. But it came just at the moment, and suddenly I felt I was able to say to the congregation at 8.30, don't say, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. Respond. So Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit at work in us. We want to respond to you. Help us to do it freely without fear. We're not asking each other why we're coming forward. We just know the Holy Spirit is nudging us. We want to respond to you. In Jesus' name. In a moment, we're going to sing. But if you want to come forward because God's nudging something in your heart, I'm not going to ask you why, but I do want to pray for you. I want to ask you to begin to come right now. You say what? Before we start singing? Yeah, be brave. Don't look around and say, who else is going to go forward? Maybe if there's a good crowd, I'll, I'll go. Just start to, to come. Just come if God is nudging you. Just come. If you struggle with the love of God, it's a big deal in your life. Come. If there's chains that need to be broken in your life, come. Just come right to the front here. If you want to become a follower of Jesus, well, come here. This is our 32-mile trip, but it took a little less time. Come. If you're saying, I need to be baptized, I need to be obedient to God, well, come. Come. And to those who are saying, I really want to, but I'm scared, I lovingly invite you, come. We're not parading you. In fact, we celebrate your bravery and your honesty, your integrity. Come. You don't need to hold back. Come. We're going to sing, and as we sing, you can keep coming.
goodness. Thank you, Jesus, for each and every woman, man, child here. And you know why they are here. Break chains. Reveal the love of God afresh. Deepen relationships so that we might be known. Save us from single issue. Save those who are coming to you and making a response to you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit and your presence. And here's what I feel prompted to do. I'd like to ask you folks at the front to open your eyes, please, and look up at me. Because here's the verse that's resonating in my heart at the moment. It is where Peter and John said, and we heard about it, I think, recently, look at us, look at me. And Peter wasn't bringing healing, but he was declaring healing to that man at the gate beautiful. Now, I'm asking you to look at me. I'm not a priest. I'm a pastor. I can't offer you forgiveness I can't offer you hope, but I declare to you on the authority of Scripture that this living God loves you so much. He has plans for you that are beautiful. Whatever shame has lingered in your life, look at me, because I declare it to you. The outrageous mercy and the love of God, the strength of God, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. I look you in the eye and on the authority of Scripture and not my own authority, I declare it to you.
May your tears be dried. May your hearts flourish again with hope. And may you know that what has been does not have to be. We declare it together in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's applaud the Lord of glory, shall we? He is good. He is good.